Good morning. How's everybody today? Is everybody warm? You were not when you woke up this morning, were you? It felt good. It did feel good. I'm ready for the cool weather. I woke up, I don't know, about three in the morning smelling heat. First time our heat came on and I thought, oh, I'm not sure if I'm ready for this, but it feels great out there. We're glad you're here. We're glad if you're a guest that you chose to be with us today. Let me encourage you a couple of ways that you can connect with us. If you are a guest, we've got a communication card that's available outside uh, that you can fill out and turn in. And then we also have a little welcome booklet that also has a little connection card on it. And uh, you can tear off part and the other part you can take with you, a little information about journey. When we take up our offering here at the end of the service, you can just drop it in there or can come find me or somebody else to drop it off later. Uh, it's good to be with you. I wasn't here last week. We had taken the week, and uh, I went backpacking for several days, which was great. Uh, I don't know about you. One of my places where I can go get away is out in the woods. So we had a great time getting away. My brother-in-law and I, we spent four days realizing how much older we are since the last time we went backpacking, and things hurt more and uh, don't want to work as long. So uh, but we had a really good time. I hated not to be here, and, but I heard that y'all had a great morning together. Uh, we're starting a new series today called Set Apart, and the goal of this series is to talk about what are, who are we as people that are set apart by God. And uh, so before we get into that, if we've got any Kidmo kids in here today, you guys can head on out. If you're a guest and you have a second through fifth grader, then they have their own environment in another uh, part of the church where they have games and small groups and Bible study and all kinds of fun stuff that they do. So you are welcome to walk back and follow the kids and see where they're going if you want to see where your child would be going if you're a guest. But it's a great opportunity for them um, to be a part of that. So as we start talking about being set apart, here's what I know. I know that most of us want in some way to be unique. In some way, each of us likes to be a little bit different from somebody else. We find all kinds of ways to express ourselves. We we can either be different in the way we dress. I want to be real unique in the way I dress. I'm not really unique in the way I dress, but some of you are unique in the way you dress. It may be in the way that you do your hair. It may be the way that you talk or the vocabulary that you use. Uh, There could be all kinds of ways that you try to set yourself apart. At work, a lot of us will try to set ourselves apart from the other employees or the other people we work with because we want to be seen as different or better or that somehow we are set apart from others. There's just some drive within us that makes us want to be a little bit unique and different from other people. Now, sometimes we're not real good at being unique. Sometimes we try too hard, and I've been told that uh, sometimes I try too hard in the way I dress, and I've, been, I've learned over the years that you should not mix a plaid and a stripe. But, you know, stripes are popular, plaids are popular. Apparently, plaids and stripes don't go together, even though a plaid is made up of stripes. That's my argument. It's not widely held, apparently, but that is what makes up a plaid or a whole bunch of stripes, but apparently they don't go together. So there are some times that we just try too hard in order to be unique. And we all have that friend that does just tend to go a little too far with it. And they try so hard to be different from everybody else. You just kind of watch them like, what what are you doing? But as we go through this series, those really aren't the kinds of ways of being unique we want to really dive into. What we want to talk about is how are we unique and how are we set apart by God? Not only do we have a desire to be unique, You know, we also are good at setting people apart. We naturally do this. What are some things in life in which we set people apart? Graduation? Anybody walk in graduation? Now, I didn't walk. First time I walked to graduate was in high school. But now you graduate from every single grade, I think, right? You graduate from preschool and kindergarten and then first grade and second grade and third grade and all those things. So, you, you, we do a good job of setting apart in that. Whenever there's a championship game, the winning team gets set apart, right? They get a trophy. They get put on the news, They whatever. We're wondering if somehow the Cubs are going to pull it out in the World Series this year. And therefore, the prophecy of back to the future comes true. Have you all been following this? 
Back to the Future pro- guessed that uh, the Cubs would win in 2015, and they are on their way. So we'll see if that works out. But when someone wins, we set them apart. We have a special ceremony. Now, I know in some sports, everybody gets a trophy. I'm not a big fan of the everybody gets a trophy mindset, but you know, you set apart the champion. They're the ones. Their trophy is always bigger. They're the ones who get bragging rights. We recognize that people will take on different careers that should be set apart from others. For example, when someone is graduating from the police academy and they're going to patrol our streets, we, there's a special ceremony to set them apart for a duty that is supposed to impact the, all of, of society and culture in their community. And so there's a setting apart or a firefighter whenever they, they graduate and they're ready to begin pursuing that career as a firefighter, we set them apart because we recognize not all of us are capable, able, or even want to do those, but they are viable, not vile, not viable, but they are important. Let me just back up. I'm trying to be unique with my language. Sometimes it doesn't work, right? But they have an important vital, that's the word, vital. There we go. It'll, my tongue will catch up with me. A vital role in our community. We set them apart. Now we also know that sometimes we set people apart in a little bit of a a negative way, right? So I wear my stripes and my plaid and I've been set apart by some of you in this room, as I've mentioned before. That's not good. It's not good. You should just let me pretend that I'm in, in style. Sometimes we feel set apart because we don't fit in. We're not in the popular group. So we're set apart in a negative way. You know, the truth is we are very good at setting apart. We do it, sometimes in a very positive and a very good way, recognizing the honorable intentions or the great achievements that somebody has had. Sometimes we do it in a not-so-great way, and we push people down or to the side because they don't fit in. But you need to understand, if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, you have been set apart. What does that look like? What does that mean for us? How do we live through that? How do we do the positive aspects of being set apart and not the negative ones? How do we live through that? I was reading through Galatians. Some of my favorite scriptures to read through are Paul's letters. I love Paul's letters. They're just so rich in instruction. And here's a guy that he persecuted anyone that said that they followed Jesus. He was a guy that his whole life mission was to find people like us and find ways to end them. And yet God got a hold of Paul's heart. His name was Saul at the time. He was on a road to Damascus. You've heard this story, many of you. And God appeared to him and said, why are you persecuting me, Saul? And in that moment, he had a a realization that God was real. All the things he had been fighting against and persecuting, they were the wrong things to spend his life doing. And over the next few days and the next few weeks, He would come to change dramatically in his life, not only changing his name to Paul, but also becoming one of the greatest missionaries that we would ever have known, taking the gospel out into a part of the world that it had not gone. So as we look at one of the letters in Galatians, we're going to spend the next couple of weeks looking at the first five verses and what does that mean for us? Whenever Paul would write a letter, you would write a letter to somebody. You may start with, you know, dear whoever, And you may start with a little bit of just, you know, here's what's going on with us before you really get into the reason you're writing a letter or an email for some of us anymore. And this is how he starts his letter to the church in Galatia. It says in verse 1, Paul, an apostle not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Pray with me. Father, I pray that you would open up your word to us, that you would open up our hearts to receive it. Lord, I pray that you would help us to understand what it looks like not only to follow you, but to be an example to others, that you would teach us what it means to be set apart by you. We thank you for the gift of your son who has delivered us from sin, has delivered us from everything into a relationship with you. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So verse 1 starts with Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father. When Paul or many of the apostles would write a letter, one of the very first things they would do is they wanted people to know why they should be listened to. They were unique. They were different. Now, apostle at this time was literally a person who had seen and walked with Jesus. And so there were a limited number of apostles at the time. And so when Paul would say, I'm an apostle, he was saying, I literally have seen Jesus and he himself has called me out in order to live this life and to send this message. And so he said, I am an apostle. In fact, he would even go back to the other apostles to defend this fact that I should be viewed as someone who has been sent by Jesus himself. Now today in different religious uh, circles, there are, pastors will still call themselves apostles in some places. That's a completely different understanding of the word apostle. It's not the same way that it's used in the New Testament. But for Paul, he wanted to ensure that people knew the message I'm sending you, it's coming not from me, and I'm not coming because I just had nothing better to do, but God has chosen me to be different. And this is the message he wants you to have. Paul was set apart. As a follower of Jesus, I want you to know that you have been set apart for a purpose. For some of us, we live our lives thinking that I don't really have a purpose in my life. I don't really have anything I'm supposed to accomplish. I don't have the skills. and I'm not attractive. I'm not able to speak the way that other people speak. I don't have tons of friends that would make a big impact in the people around me. I'm just kind of me in the corner. And yet you, who likes to sit in the corner, has been set apart for a purpose. You have been given a purpose within this world. And it, what's kind of, kind of amazes me is in our community here at Journey, we have, a, we, have, we have some people that love to just be out and with other people. But we have a whole lot that are, are, are a lot more introverted, real quiet. What I know about quiet people, and I know quite a bit because when I'm not up here teaching, that's who I am when I'm in, with everybody else, is that quiet people like to be in a corner, don't they? Don't put us out in front of everybody else. I don't want to have a role or a responsibility that requires me to put myself out there and talk to people that I don't know about things I'm not sure they'll believe me about. And so when we go into a crowded room, the first thing we're looking for is an out, a way to get away. This weekend, we, we spent the weekend in Knoxville and I had the opportunity to, uh, to do a funeral for my Uncle Bill. My Uncle Bill was a big part of my life growing up. Our, our, all our cousins and my my dad's brother and sister they we we spent a lot of time together growing up my uncle bill was a big part of that but he was the quintessential introvert whenever he would come in the room even with a bunch of family he wouldn't talk a whole lot and but when you would sit down and you would go one-on-one with him and talk with him when he began to let things come out he was an amazing amazing man i have no idea how he learned all the things that he learned how he knew how to do all the things that he could do But he could literally do anything he set his mind to. We found out that his family, we just found out this weekend, his family actually started the White Lily Flower Company. Like, wow, we should have spent more time with them, right? (laughs) And his father was an incredible artist who also just had a knack to do lots of different things. And so as we laid him to rest this weekend... We had an opportunity for the family to share stories, and the stories that came out were so touching and so amazing that this man who would just assume no one ever noticed how many things he had done for others. The stories of people that had driven cars that weren't supposed to be driving them faster than they were supposed to be driven. The times that he would teach us things, he, he taught me how to, how to fish for crab and how to find you know little sand crabs down in the surf he taught me how to get those you could use those for bait and and fish for sharks you know how many who who has an uncle that teaches you how to fish for sharks that's a pretty cool uncle right but you put him in a room and he wouldn't say a word 
Now, growing up, my, my dad used to say, one of the ways to show that you're smart is you don't ever say anything. He, he, he would say, you know, just watch what you say and don't let people know how much you don't know. But I want you to know that God did not set us apart to keep inside of us what we have so that nobody knows. And he didn't create you with your personality so that you would be on the sidelines and let somebody else be living life and change the world. Paul knew that at this time in his life, God was calling him to a major change and it was going to require him to be different. It was going to require him to talk differently. It was going to require him to act differently. And he obviously at this point knew some people were going to reject him for the person he used to be because they didn't believe he was set apart. And yet Paul begins by saying, Paul, an apostle, not from men, not through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father. Followers of Jesus are set apart by Jesus for a purpose. I want you to know that you have been chosen for several different things. But as we get started here, you, number one, have been chosen by God and you have been chosen for God. Now, if you're sitting in the room, I want you to just to say within your own head, you can say it out loud if you want to, say within your own head, I have been chosen by God. You have. As we read all throughout Scripture, we find time and time again God saying, I have chosen you. Which brings brings a lot of comfort to me because if, if I had to somehow choose God and I had to be acceptable to Him, then I could be in some trouble. Right? Some of us. But yet he chose us. One of my favorite passages of scripture is 1 Peter 2, chapter, uh, chapter 2, verse 9. It says, but you, talking, of, talking about those who are believers, are a chosen race. You are chosen. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of the darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You have been chosen by God for God. You are valuable enough in his eyes to say, I want you. No matter what our backgrounds are, no matter how good we are at something, whether we have some high level within the places that we work that we have influence over others, or we're in the ground level, it really doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if people want to flock and be around you or if people scatter when they see you coming. You have been chosen by God and for God. Every believer and follower of Jesus has been chosen. You are set apart. You have that opportunity. Galatians 2.20 says this, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. God gave himself for you because he chose you and he wanted you to be part of his family. You have been set apart. Now, what we know to be true about being set apart is to be set apart does mean to be different. Some of us like to be different. Some of us not so much. For some, the idea of being different from others or being different from the crowd, it scares us. It it frightens us. Because if I'm different, I'm going to be called out. If I'm different, people are going to look at me differently. If I'm different, they may not befriend me. And if I'm different, what we see increasingly within our society is those who are different may even go so far as to be attacked by those who see them as different. Well, sometimes being different does not feel good. Sometimes being different is what we don't want to be. And some of us have worked so hard our entire lives to be just like everybody else that we have missed the opportunity that God has given you through Jesus. Should to be set apart. One of the hardest things for you guys on the front row and scattered around in here, if you're in school and you're somewhere in elementary, you shouldn't be if you're in elementary school, or you probably should be in Kidmo, but if you're in middle or high school, You're going to struggle with, am I going to fit in or am I going to be different? 
Every other kid that you go to school with also struggles with, am I going to fit in or am I going to be different? And there's something that says inside of us whenever we're kids that says, I should not be different. I need to fit in. I need to talk like them. I need to act like them. I need to do the things that they do. Because if I do that, I will be accepted and they will love me and then I will feel good about myself. That is the irrational conversation that goes on in every middle and high schooler's head. And quite honestly, it will follow you on into adulthood, right? Any adults agree with that? It will follow into adulthood. Some of the most unhappy people I know are people that are trying everything they can to fit in with a crowd that they really don't even want to fit in with, but they're scared to death not to have a crowd. And so they just do whatever everybody else does because somehow they'll accept me. Here's what I know. People who are on a destructive path in life enjoy company. They love to have other people come along for the ride because somehow it validates the fact that they may be doing something right even though they know deep down inside this is bad. I'm falling apart. I'm falling to pieces here. I'm just, I'm dying inside, but you're dying with me, so it's okay. We'll die together. It's kind of that feeling when you get on that roller coaster for the first time and you're not sure and you don't want to do it by yourself, but if someone will go with you, you'll go. It's that same reflex. All right, I'll go. We're going to die on this, but okay, we'll die together. This will be great. This will be a lot of fun, and they make a lot of money doing that. That's great. But in school, there's never, there's never quite so much pressure later in life as it is in middle and high school. I've got to fit in. Somebody's drinking something. I don't know what it is. Mom and dad wouldn't let me, but I will be accepted if I do that. They're doing something weird off in the corner. I know I probably shouldn't be doing that, but I'll be accepted if I do that. There are lots of things we do. It's amazing. Even bullying is contagious because if the group is picking on somebody, I don't want to be the one being picked on. I don't want to be set apart in that way. So I will pick on them too because I want to be a part of the group. I don't want to be the one getting picked on. It's contagious. And people will start doing it just because I don't want to be the one that gets picked on. See, we are so good at setting people apart. The problem is what God has put within us to be set apart for him, we have distorted so that we are set apart for ourselves. And when we set ourselves apart for ourselves, our focus is strictly on us, and that's when life begins to fall apart. We've tried to teach our kids, and I, I know this is a hard lesson, and, uh, and, and we're proud of them as they, as they have struggled through this lesson. If you see somebody being picked on or being outside, those are the people you need to go to. Now, that's a hard lesson. I, mean, I know that's a hard lesson because I've lived through that too. It's not easy to do that and go against the crowd when you see somebody who's hurting and in need. But the thing is, is that's how Jesus said we're supposed to live our lives. And so if we're supposed to live our lives going for those who are oppressed and hurting, those who are on the outside, those who are not part of the crowd, then that means we have to understand being set apart as something different. What we'll talk about next week is... In all reality, when you embrace what I'm telling you, there will be times people will not like you for it. See, whenever being set apart becomes something that's negative, and in the church, the way we set people apart is because they don't, they don't look right. Right? They don't dress right. They don't talk right. They don't spend their time doing the right things. We push them aside. We say, oh, they must not be a Christian. Christians don't do that. What I have found is Christians do a whole lot of stuff that we would never admit to doing. We set people apart in a negative way. The church has been terrible about this. Many of you know what that feels like. We've talked about that in this place. Some of you are here because of that. So what does it mean to be set apart by God? To be set apart is to be called out, not to be better than anyone but to receive mercy and share it with those who do not know what it looks like. That's what it means to be pulled out, to be separated out, to be set apart. 
Because we have received mercy. We have experienced something that is different. We have seen behind the curtain and we know how it works. And we need other people who are still blind to the way the world actually works to see what is true and what is real, what is good and what is right. To be set apart is to be called out. I've mentioned you are set apart by God. You are also, I want you to understand this. You are set apart for God. Now, it's easy for us to think about a fireman, a police officer. It's easy to think about, you know, the next president of the United States. Or it's easy to think about people in those important roles in society that we would set them apart. It's, it's easier to think about, well, they're really important. Somebody wins a Nobel Peace Prize. Okay, they have accomplished something I would never even dream of accomplishing. We, we should set them apart. There should be uh, something about that. And, but often when we set people apart in our culture, we set them apart as if they are good and, and great in and of themselves, that they themselves should be valued and, and maybe even worshipped because of what's inside of them. Yet for us, we're not set apart for us. We're not set apart so Mark can go, look at me. But we are set apart for someone else. You are set apart for God. Not for yourself. Not for your group. Not for your friends. But you are set apart for God. Deuteronomy 14 says this. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. And the Lord has chosen you to be a people for His treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. Now, when this was written, it was talking about literally the Hebrew nation. It was talking about who would become Israel as his chosen people. If you'll remember when Jesus was crucified, God existed in the earth in a specific time and place, in the Holy of Holies, in the temple. If you wanted to experience God, you had to go there. And yet when Jesus was crucified, the veil that separated the Holy of Holies from all the rest of the world was ripped. And it symbolized that God is now present all around us. And as Jesus would teach his disciples, is actually present in those who know him. So you didn't have to go somewhere to find God. God was in you. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If you'll let me in, I will come in, is what God says. You have been set apart for him. Now, let me ask you this, and I want some feedback. I want you to answer me. And don't, I want, don't be embarrassed, but be honest. What is one of your treasured possessions? Anybody? Your phone? Being honest. Treasure possession. The way some of us protect our phones. Yeah, that's probably a lot of us in the room. Car? Platypus evolution? I don't know what that is. It's an app. Okay, all right. An evolved platypus. That's interesting. I have to think about what that would look like. Yeah. Platypus evolution. What else? What are some treasured possessions? Pet? Son, children, what else? I heard some others. Your home. Yeah, we have treasured possessions, right? We'll defend those things. We, we think about those things. I was telling Deidre when we, we pulled in last night for, I don't know, it feels like about 25 years we've not been at home alone. You know, it hasn't been that long, but it feels like that. I said, I just want to be at home in our house together for a while. I don't know when that's going to happen. She said, and then her standard response is, well, we can do that in about three months. We have treasured possessions. For some of us, maybe the possession isn't physical. My treasured possession is time with me by myself. When I don't have to talk to anybody. That's treasured. What are some other treasured possessions? Things you wouldn't want to lose. Food. Health. Health. Faith. Freedom. Those are great answers. Those are treasured. What would you do to protect those treasures? Jump in front of a car? Okay. I don't know about platypus evolution. You could just download it again later. But, uh, you know, 
But for our things that are treasured, we would risk injury. We would risk loss. We would risk hurt and pain to not lose our treasured possession. Pride? Okay, sometimes we treasure things that we ought not treasure. God treasures you. You are his treasured possession. What is he willing to do to protect that thing that is treasured to him? See, when we're set apart, you recognize that you have become God's treasured possession for him. So when I think about my life and I think about all the things I want to accomplish and I think about all the ways I want people to recognize what I've done in life and all those things, those things don't really matter because God has done all this so that we can be His. You were set apart not just by God, but I want you to really grasp this. God set you apart for Himself. I want you to consider that. You are set apart for himself. Psalm 4.3 says, But know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. And the Lord hears what I call to him. Every morning that I'm home when my kids get up, I do it more with Jonathan anymore because Emma and Jake don't talk to me much in the mornings anymore. They kind of growl at me as they get up and... They go find their place and, you know, cuddle up. It takes, see, I, point and I see some pointing fingers here. We're not the only family that happens in. So they get a, how, how are you doing? <laughs> but you know, if you've got young children, there's an age before they become all evil and mean and like that. <laughs> and when they're young, that they will talk to you. And so Jonathan hasn't, he has not evolved yet into that. And so we're trying to protect him. And we're trying to kind of sequester him from his brother and sister so they won't have that influence on him. No, that's not true. It kind of is, actually. But it's not totally true. Just, you can't, I'm not supposed to say it, but I've said it there. It's out there. And so when he comes down, I, I ask him the same questions every single time. Hey, Jonathan, how are you? I'm good. Says a real high-pitched voice. I'm good. Do you sleep good? And he kind of looks around. Eyes aren't really open. Yeah. And, uh, and that's how our conversation starts. Sometimes I can, I can trick him into coming and sitting with me because he's not awake yet. So he'll just sit with me and kind of cuddle with me for a little bit. Yeah, I know that those days are going to end. But they're still there. I treasure those times. Sometimes the things we treasure are times too, right? We treasure those opportunities. We treasure those things that mean so much to us. God has set you apart for himself. Any of my kids, if they need me, they have my ear. I want to talk with them, even when they don't want to talk with me. On the way home from school, on the way to school, while you're at school. (laughs) God so treasures you and has set you apart for himself that when we call to him, he hears us. Now, for some in here, this is no big news to you. I mean, this is the way you just, you've always known this. You've experienced this. You've got great joy in your life and your relationship with Christ because of this. But I guess there are some in the room that at times don't feel that God treasures them. In fact, may even think that God is mad at them or upset with them because they've done something that they perceive has upset God. And so a lot of people will actually turn away from God. They'll turn away from the church. They'll turn away from anything that has to do with God because they are so afraid that they have disappointed him to the degree that he wants nothing else to have with them. I have family members that this is how they lived their life, especially those in the military that had to do things under orders that they would never have chosen to do on their own. And so they felt or they have felt that God could never love them. Look at the things that I have done. You don't have to be in the military to go through that. You know, that group, that crowd, that crowd may be in school, that crowd may be at work, that crowd may be all the moms in the neighborhood, that crowd may be all the dads in the hunting group. That crowd 
They're just pulling you, saying you're supposed to be like one of us if you're going to be anybody. Often pulls us away from the one who says, I treasure you. I treasure you. Those are the groups that have taught us that if I disappoint them, they'll have nothing to do with me. God doesn't teach that lesson. God's lesson is always mercy and forgiveness and grace, and I'm here. It doesn't matter. But it's those crowds that teach us, I've disappointed you, so I'm no longer worthy. I'm no longer good enough. You are set apart for God. But you are also set apart for the sake of the world. And this is where we're going to hang out over the next, uh, for, the, for just the next few minutes and then next week. You are set apart for the sake of the world. Acts 1.8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. In our small group, we're going through the book of James, and we talked about, uh, if you will read the first few verses of James, it talks about the dispersion, that James is writing to the dispersion, which are literally all of those believers who, because their nation has been invaded, have been spread out into the rest of the world. And he says, so I'm writing here to you who have been dispersed. And the question I asked our group was this, does God show more love by keeping them all together in a safe place right at home, or does he show more love in causing a catastrophic incident that causes them to be spread out into the rest of the world? Which one is God showing love in? You see, if I'm one of those people, I say he shows love by keeping us all together right here close and nice and tight and comfortable and safe. But God shows love by dispersing and saying, I need you to go out and show others this thing because I love you, but I love them too. Whoops. I don't know what that was. But I love them too. So God has set you apart For the sake of other people. Now, if you're going to embrace this idea, you're going to have to give up the idea that I am set apart for me because that's what you've been operating on your entire life before knowing Christ. I am set apart for me. I've got to get my job. I've got to get my friends. I've got to be successful. I want to take care of me. I want to take care of my family. I want to take care of the things that interest me. I want to take care of my possessions. And God says, I set you apart, not only for me, I set you apart for everyone else. And for us to fulfill that role means we have to give up the idea that I am the center of my world. And it quite honestly is something that not many people truly ever overcome. We want to be the center of our world. I want to be the center of my world. I'm not so spiritually mature that I'm beyond wanting to be the center of my world. I want everybody to act in a way that benefits me, just like everybody else. It's just part of the sin nature that's within us. And he has said, I'm setting you apart asking you i'm calling you i'm expecting you to do it differently you are set apart for the sake of the world john 17 similar to the dispersion talked about by james listen to this i I often wonder maybe you have too i often wonder why god doesn't just snatch a person who becomes a christian and send them straight to heaven all right right then like we had a uh, you know, a call to, to be saved and say, hey, if you want to be saved, you can do it right now. Pray the prayer. You believe it in your heart. And boom, you're just, you're gone. It worked on that one. You're gone. Why doesn't God just bring us to heaven right when we're saved? It would be so much easier. John 17, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. We don't want to pull them out of the world. We want them to influence the world. You have been set apart to influence the world. There is a reason that Christians throughout time have been persecuted. And it's not because we're that much of a political threat. That is not the reason we have been persecuted. But there is something within the world that recognizes the truth that comes from the Word of God. 
and there is a rejection of it, so there must be a rejection of those who believe it. And yet he says, protect them, but I need them to go out into the world so people will hear the message. You are set apart for the sake of the world. I just tell you that one of the things that we have to struggle with at this time, and it, does, and it starts when you are young, it doesn't start when you're an adult. We have got to begin seeing ourselves as a set-apart people everywhere we go. I don't mean the set-apart native. I'm a Christian. You're not. That's not the kind of set-apart we need. We've got plenty of that going on around the world. That's not what we need. What we need are people saying, I am here for you. I'm here to give of myself for you. I'm here recognizing that what I have, I have from the one who saved me. So I'm here to help you. I'm here for your sake. I'm not here for my sake anymore. And yet what is so easy for me to stand up here and say for us to live out in our lives, it takes a lifetime to work through. Because we still have those feelings about, I still want it to be about me. One of the great things that I have learned, and I have learned from those who are so much farther than I am in their own spiritual growth, I have learned that when you recognize and embrace that you have been set apart by God and for God, that you are His treasured possession, that also you are set apart to fully experience God. God has invited you to fully experience Him. We see God work in so many different ways around the world. But what we find is that God wants you to fully experience Him. What the world sees in glimpses, you can embrace wholeheartedly and fully. But you are set apart to experience Him. He has invited you into relationship, not for you to have a one-way conversation and a prayer every now and again, not to just come to a service and then sing a few songs and feel good and go home, but He has called you and He has offering you an opportunity to fully experience Him in every part of your life, if you choose to experience it. John 14, Jesus replies, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them. We will come to them and make our home with them. Make our home with them. I want you to just, just let that set for a minute. God wants to make his home with you. Twenty-four says, Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. The reason we have so many places talking about obeying teaching and choosing in Scripture is because we have the choice to choose to live set apart We have the choice to choose to go along with everybody else. We have that choice. We have that choice in every area of our lives. Jesus says, if you love me, you're going to choose the way I'm showing you. Not only that, we're going to be with you and make our home with you. As I think through what does it mean to be set apart, there's just no way to put a list together, but... Some of the things that came to mind were that we choose to give our lives instead of trying to keep everything for ourselves. We're generous. We're generous with our time for people who need it. We're generous with our finances for those who don't have. We're generous with sharing opportunities with those that we really want to keep those opportunities for ourselves. We're generous. The idea of being generous comes from the belief that we're going to be replenished as we give. Yet those who are so resistant to being generous have bought into the idea that there's only a little bit out there, and so you better get what you can and don't let anybody else get it first. And yet God says, I have so much to give. You'll never run out if you'll be generous. Just be generous. Being set apart means being generous. It means being generous Not just financially, not just with time, being generous with love, loving people that aren't really all that easy to love. It's easy to love people who are lovable. I've got a lot of lovable people in my life. It's very easy to love them. What's difficult is loving the people who are not very lovable. 
those who are frustrating, who drain your time, who drain your energy, who you see they're calling you again and you're going, oh, I just don't have the energy for this today. Loving those, that's an act of generosity. And you have to believe that God does treasure you as a possession. When he promises he's going to replenish, he will replenish that. It means we choose to share hope instead of being hopeless. And I hope that if you're in this room, as we've talked about for the last several weeks, that you do have hope in your life. It says that we choose to care for others instead of trying to get others to care for us. I just tell you in the church, this is one of the reasons that so many churches struggle. Is because when, when a community in mass is looking for others to care for them, and they don't see a responsibility to care for others, the church eventually dies. They may still have services. They may still have a budget. They may still have a building. They may still have people showing up for stuff, but the church is dead. The only way a church lives, whether it be Journey or any other church, is when the community decides, I'm here to care for others. I'm not here to just be cared for myself. Now, how do we determine that? We determine that by, well, how generous are we, right? We give all the money we have in the bank. Now, some of you expected this to go there, right? But the truth is, Journey wouldn't be where it is right now if it weren't for those who have committed to lead when they could do other things with their time. Lead groups. Lead from the stage. Lead in preparing coffee. Preparing hospitality so that when people come in, they feel welcome. People who are willing to lead in getting projects done so that we have kids' rooms that are able to be used for ministry to kids. That stuff doesn't happen unless people choose, I'm here to offer to help care for others. And ultimately, the only way that Journey will be a vibrant church is if our community embraces the idea we're here to care for others. We're not just here so others will care for us. Now, I don't want to diminish the fact that some of us go through difficult times in life and we need care in those moments. So there are times that we do have to just kind of step back and and we just honestly need to be cared. And, and, And honestly, even as a pastor, sometimes pastors need that too. Pastors, they go through difficult times, and they just need to be cared for by the community. There are times that you're going to have that you need to just be cared for. You need people just to love on you. And, and what I have found is if you're an authentic community with people, that people will see your need because they know what's going on in your life. When we don't know that is when we've been secretive and we've been distant and we've not been a part and authentic in our communication with people. But when you are with your friends, you know it. When something's going on with my kids, I know it. When something's going on with, with Deidre, I know it. When something's going on with my good friends, I know it. And when we know, we can then care. But our belief is, is that God is at work in you. You are not going to be a person that requires care all the time. But that you are able to choose to care for others instead of just looking to be cared for yourselves. I, I've also, let me just say this before we move on. I've also seen people who are so determined that other people need to care for them, they never grow, they never heal, they never get beyond it because all they live in is the want and the desire to be cared for. Yet we see over and over, Jesus says, you are victors. You are a healthy people. You have been regenerated. You will grow. You will become more. We choose to care for others instead of trying to get others to care for you. We also have to choose to let God be active in us so that we can be active in others' lives. I just I want to leave you with this because this is what Jesus is inviting us to, to be set apart for, that those who are set apart will change the world. I believe that. God has chosen you. You are set apart. Now, what are we going to talk about next week? Next week, that, that, those next couple of verses in Paul's introduction to Galatians, he says that they are living in a present evil age. In every generation, they think things have gotten worse than before them. Now, the way we talk about that is we long for the good old days, remember? Our parents did it. Their parents did it. We're doing it. I'm doing it. Oh, I remember when, you know, the 80s when we had good music, you know. 
right? <laughs> you know I'm right. You know I'm right. We long for the good old days. Lots of, lots of children of the 80s in here. <laughs> Whenever we're saying that, what we're saying is we believe things are getting worse. They're not. They've always been this way. They just change. They morph. Jesus has already won the victory. The enemy has already lost. And even Paul said, we are now doing this in this present evil age. How are we set apart in an age that seems evil? We'll talk about that next week. I want to pray with you. Then we've got one more song we want to do together. We're so thankful to have you here. I hope you'll join us next week. Uh, As we are moving towards the holidays, we are going to continue to have some fun holiday stuff coming up. Uh, We invite you to invite your friends, invite neighbors. If you're our guest here today, we really would love to hear from you. We would love for you to be a part of Journey. One of the greatest ways to be a part of Journey is being in a Journey group. It really is. It's where we really form relationships. We talk about stuff, and uh, we really get to grow. So we would love for you to to have an opportunity to do that as well. Would you pray with me? Father? God, I thank you that we are set apart, and we're not set apart because we were good enough. We're set apart because you loved us. Lord, I pray for those in the room, and they've been living their entire lives feeling that they have been set apart because they're so different. Nobody wants them. Nobody loves them, and they don't have anything to offer. Yet you tell us over and over that that is just not true. Father, I pray that you would liberate us from our own, our own cynical thinking so that we can see that we are a treasured possession for you. Pray that we would embrace the idea that we can be set apart for you. We can be set apart for others. We can be change agents in this world, and this world can be different as a result of what you do through us. Pray for those in the room, and they're struggling, struggling to buy into this idea, because right now they feel like they're on the outside of everything that they're involved with right now. They're on the outside at home. They're on the outside at work. They're on the outside at school. They're on the outside with friends. They just feel like they're on the outside. Lord, I pray that you would just show them how open and inclusive you are, that you, they can be your child, your very treasured possession. Help us not only to follow you, but help us to follow you well. Help us to lead others to do the same. and Help us to be set apart in a way that brings glory and honor to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.